Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Hello, I am Sean McBee. I am Trevor Thompson. See how we did that? We're we so practiced. Took us all day to practice that. So, everybody, welcome to part three of Termite Terrace, the surprise script that I sprung on Trevor without telling him what we were doing. Yeah. I really wanted a bigger reaction. He didn't give it to me. <laughs> it's fine. Well, you know, to be, what I remember was that uh, when you showed it to me and you went, you dove right into how I could do a whole video about this thing and never once think that my friend who, A, has a podcast where they we do just this, and B has a has a, a real natch ability for finding these things. I never once thought, "Hey, maybe Sean could find this thing for us." Yeah, no, you and never. You're right. Could. You're right. It, it didn't occur to me, and I, it should have. You're a big jerk face. Is the but is the thing you wanted a bigger reaction, and I think that's what I was doing. Is when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, why the fuck didn't I think Sean could get this?" I was like trying to think. What was going on in my life? Yeah, it's a good thing I just decided to watch all your videos. Yeah. Otherwise, I would never have known. No, it's good when anyone does that, by the way, for me. Previously on Table Reads. Can I ask you a question? The little is that someone doing that with their mouth or is that a legitimate hi-hat? It's a legitimate hi-hat. Okay. Pete, the newest animator at Termite Terrace, got his big break as an animator in our last episode, animating a caricature of Bugsome movie starlet Constance Morrow, resulting in her wanting to meet him, which leads in turn to Bone Town. <laughs> Following that, Pete gets the chance to direct his own cartoon, which he forgets to put jokes in. <laughs> as he's dealing with a crippling self-doubt brought on by his directorial debut as a piece of shit, News of his movie star dalliance makes the local tabloids, which his fellow animators are thrilled to rib him about. When we left him, he had just been called off to the office of the head of the animation department. Fade in. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, interior. Interior. Mort's office. Day. An important guy office. <laughs> Favor framed photos on the wall. Mort trying to look jolly with stripped-in cartoon characters. Pan to the real Mort on a heated phone call. You ever pull anything like this again? I'll tear your goddamn heart for you. Heart. As, a, as a secretary shows the frightened Pete in. Okay? Okay, how about lunch next week? Good. Mort hangs up, consults a note for Pete's name. Mr. Nougat, uh, our friends here at the studio are very unhappy this morning. Do you know why they're unhappy? Yes, sir. Because their biggest female star just made herself look like the whore of backgammon there in the newspapers. And now I hear that one of my employees is said to be responsible. Is that true? 
Yeah, yes, sir, it is. It was very foolish of me. Foolish? That foot is foolish. What you did is stupid. Y yes, sir. You take America's sweetheart. Now, America's probably... Oh, I was going to say scarred. Probably scared they're going to catch something from her. <laughs> Sir, I hope not. I mean... you're this... getting, By the way, you're getting a little Roger. I know. So, well, yeah. But this is early, Daffy. You can do this. <sighs> uh, Where was I? Mr. Warner is a very moral man. How would you like it if we lost... Our... How would you like it if we lost our contract with Warner Brothers? And then we're all out of work. Not just you. I'm out of sit down. Pete does. Beat, then. Was it worth it? Sir? With Miss Morrow. Was it worth it? Oh. I, I... I don't really remember it, sir. You don't remember? That's... That's, that's a hell of a thing. That's the caliber of people we hire now. You don't remember? We, I mean, I'd, I'd been drinking. You drink a lot? I, I thought I did in art school. But looking back, I can see that I wasn't really that much at all, really. Uh -huh. Well, get out of here. I've got a lot to do. Mort reaches for the racing form and the phone. Uh, I'm fired? Hell no! If I fire you, they know it's one of my people, and then I have to go upstairs and listen to Mr. Warner talk about decent family values for two and a half hours. Is that what you want to see happen? No, sir. So go back to work and keep your mouth shut. Thank you. Mort picks up the phone, waves Pete out of the office. Doesn't remember. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Pete slips out the door and exterior, Warner's lot. Runs right into Dot, who's racking costumes. A beat, then... Hi. Hello. Uh, how have you been? Oh, busy. Not as busy as some people. Ooh. But she smiles a little as she says it. If she's mad, she's keeping a cool lid on it. She <laughs> keeps working as they talk. Yeah, hi. I don't suppose there's any point in me explaining myself. Well, I'm sure it'd be something to hear. But you don't have to explain yourself to me. You and I weren't... No. No, I... I, I mean, we... I just think it might be better if, it, if we weren't seen together. I'm just a costumer, and we're supposed to lead somewhat normal... Well, wait a minute. I mean, people don't know who the... At that moment, two women studio workers walk past across the street. They spot Pete Giggle and talk in hushed voices. <laughs> That's me doing my impression of chickens clucking. Sorry. Right. Well, uh. She's still bright and cool as Midwestern Autumn. <laughs> Bye. Exterior, Termite Terrace, afternoon. Pete finds Slim waiting at the entrance. What's the deal? They go inside. Interior, Termite Terrace. I'm still on. Sheila hears that. Look up happily as they looks up happily as they head for 15. You don't look at oh, you don't look happy. I'm still happy. I'm still on. I'm not happy. I'm an idiot. Did you ever do anything this stupid? No, of course there's a few things this stupid I wish I had. <laughs> Dissolve two. Exterior, Termite Terrace, late afternoon. 
A few weeks later, the Western Street is now a British muse, with actors in coal miner dress knocking off for the day. Interior, room 15. Only four guys in the room. Pete's fooling with the bunny again. Jerry's doing a crossword. Ned's reading a gun magazine. Tex Avery has been wiped from this history. It's the kind of idling they do to bug you, but this time it's no stunt. They're becalmed. Waiting on Slim, who stands at the corkboard, staring at a row of daffy gag drawings. He's been there a long time, in one of his dazes. Finally, Ned braves it. Uh, Slim, if this isn't going to be today, Slim looks around, realizes it's late. And the most everyone has to go has gone home. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys. He gives a wave. Ned and Jerry leave, but Pete stays. Goes over to the board, looks at the sequence, and points to a gap about three drawings wide. A gag for there, right? Slim nods heavily. Okay. Uh, about if he thought of that. He turns and looks at Pete. It's like the look we saw when he burned his drawings, and Pete backs off. Maybe I'll get going here. Slim nods, his eyes back to burning a hole in the space between the drawings. Pete starts out of the room, but in the doorway, runs into the cameraman we saw photographing cells before. Hey, Pete, where... Uh, Pete shushes him, moves him into the corridor, into interior corridor. We're way behind on this Daffy thing. I don't know if we're going to make it. We'll make it. Slim's last sequence is going to... Oh, we'll make it. Slim's last sequence is going to the guys this morning. In the morning, sorry. Okay. Dissolve 2. Exterior, Warner's Lot. Dawn. The first faint rays of dawn break over Hollywood. Interior, Termite Terrace. As Pete walks in through an empty reception area. Interior, room 15. And into room 15, where Slim sleeps, his head on his table. Pete gets close enough to look at the papers near Slim's hand. A few false starts with angry crossouts. Pete steps back and rattles a desk caddy. Slim stirs. Pete freezes. Slim goes back to sleep. This is boring me. Yeah, really. Pete tiptoes to the corkboard and, with a deep breath, fishes three drawings from his pocket. Maybe the music's what's... Witness to sleep. No, it's the script. Uh, with a deep breath, fishes three drawings from his pocket. He pins them up in the gap, slips out of the room. Dissolve two. Wow, okay. This is making me dislike Chuck Jones. Because <laughs> I feel like he's taking credit for everything. This is probably going to end yeah. up being like a seminal Daffy Duck cartoon yeah. that he saves with his three drawings. Yeah. It's yeah. really disheartening. It really does feel like he sat at Charlie Haas's side and just was like, you know, no, make it, no, make it that I hooked up with the with the starlet. Yeah. No, she's into me. Yeah. My dick is 13 inches. And Dot's kind of okay with it. <laughs> so, yeah. She's a little curious, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. 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 She understands what it's like. Messing yeah, with I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom for twenty-seven minutes. <laughs> Slim nods. His eyes. Oh no! Blah 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 blah. Way past there. McBee, come on. 
You can do better than this. Dissolve to exterior termite terrace, morning. A couple of hours later, animators arriving for work. Interior, room 15. As the sound of ad-lib greetings drifts hey, in from hey, off screen, hey, Slim wakes with a start, grabs his bearings. Grabs his bearings? He sees the corkboard and the three new drawings that match his style. And the first few guys come into the room. I know actually what the story behind this in real life. Anyway, very different. Uh, Jerry. Hey, Slim, would you stay all night? Just about. Pete comes in with the next knot of guys. Jerry looks at the corkboard. <laughs> hey, you got it. I'm always going to stop for you with the directions when you, when you. Okay, read it again. Hey, you got it. Looks over gag. <laughs> That's a laugh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I think so. His eyes meet Pete's for the quickest instant, then go back to Cherry and the board. We'll get started. You should get some sleep. As Ned and Jerry start taking the drawings down, Slim and Pete are alone at Slim's table. You mad? Not at you. Before Pete can answer, the room quiets. Mort and Lou are here. Boy, if I could have your attention, as I'm sure you know, these are some difficult times in the business of making people happy. We're going to be cutting some corners around here. It'll require everybody pulling together and some people leaving entirely. Ooh, another blank page. People leaving? What are you... It's just cutting corners. We'll let you know. We'll let you know the dimensions. Don't let us keep you from anything in progress here. Lou, you dick. Morton Lou give the unshaven Slim a pointed once-over and leave. The troops look expectantly towards Slim, but he has no response. Pete leaps into the breach. Well, you guys heard, Mr. Gustafson. The assistants look nervous, but Pete picks up some scissors and snips the corners off a drawing on the board. He hands an exacto knife to an assistant. Oh, right. Marvin Marsh is the assistant. <laughs> no, I was going for uh, Steve. Oh, okay. Dr. Weird's assistant. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Weird. <laughs> uh, who joins in as Jerry inks a dotted line on the corner of a table. The other guys roll up their sleeves. Cut to interior, room 15, day. Close on more corners being cut. Saws slicing them off drafting tables. Scissors snipping them off exposure sheets, etc. Wider angle reveals guys cutting every corner they can find. Pete, sawing one off a door, stops as Jack, Landy, and Slim appear on the doorway, gesturing Pete into the corridor. Hey, Pete, you got a minute? Interior, corridor, Pete, Slim, Landy. Don't worry, it's good. For you two, anyway. You're gonna take over on Beans. Directing? Yeah. Oh, I know this whole story. Yeah. Directing and layouts and split it up. They've got Fred taking early retirement. Is that Tex? Yeah, I'm like, what? Now that's Fred Avery. This is the third person we think might be Tex in this fucking script. Yeah, but Tex's name is Fred. Yeah. And well, Bugs Up doesn't exist yet, so it would be weird for Tex to leave. Go into early retirement, yeah. Yeah. I mean, by retirement, he goes to MGM and makes some of the greatest cartoons yeah, that the, didn't come out of Warner Brothers of all time. But they haven't made uh, a wild hair yet. Yes. However, clearly that's going to be this Chuck, this proto Chuck's job. Mm. 
He's take over. We we need someone to take over the greatness of Tex Avery. Who could it be? It's like Chuck Jones is like I'm already considered the greatest of us all, so maybe I should also be in charge of the greatest character ever made. So yeah, that was me. I created <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Never mind the credits. Um, this is great to Pete. Go get your stuff. I'll meet you in there. Room 11. He goes off screen. And Finally Pete, another room, a different room. Yeah. He goes He goes off screen and Pete and Slim's... Why, why, by the way, why are there so many rooms? Because yeah. there are only like four units, yeah. right? Only And sometimes only... Well, actually, this is supposed to be Terminator Terrace, so it's only one floor. So, yeah, I don't know what they're... No, there are there more than one floor. Um, because of Cal's basket. That was at Schlesinger's. That wasn't at Terminator Terrace. They're they're mixing it up. They lie. Yes. yes. Um, I think that it would be fair to make a Termite Terrace movie called Termite Terrace that starts at Termite Terrace and moves somewhere else. Yeah, that would be. There were three. There were three really big studios that make up that whole thirty-year span. So, um, Termite Terrace is by no means the majority of it. The time there. Uh, where uh, he goes off screen. He goes off screen, and Pete and Slim start back toward room 15. How about that? You get another chance at directing. Yeah, and I know how to do it right this time. Dying to, but... <sighs> what? Well, I know Jack's a good guy and all. He is? First I heard of it. Okay, right. You were brought up well. <laughs> That's how it is, isn't it? You get what you want, but there's... He's interrupted as Chris Coleman comes up to them, toting a packed cardboard box, shook up, but trying not to show it. Hi, Slim. Pete. I, uh, I guess I won't be seeing you guys. <laughs> what are you talking about? Lou just told me they're letting me go. Part of this economy thing. <laughs> the economy called. <laughs> we, we gotta get ready. <laughs> Slim sees Lou Brand at the end of the corridor. Hey, Lou! Slim, don't. Slim hurries to accost Lou as Chris and Pete hang back. Where's Mort? Morton Conference. What's... The hell is this about firing Coleman? How about if you draw the little ducks and let us... Slim stays with Lou as he walks. Follow them past 15 toward the exit at the end of the quarter. Let me just say, they've established that uh, Chris is not good at creating new comic characters, yeah. but that he is the fastest animator <laughs> in the history of the universe. Which might make him... Stupid to fire? Well, yeah, but who do you think that is? Oh, um... Oh, it... It, it sounds would, like McKimsey. It would have to be McKimsey, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's no better animator at Warner's ever. I mean, that guy seems like he could... He could do some Two-handed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Slim stays with Lou. Mm, as he walks. Uh, uh, end of the quarter. It's your line. Oh, yeah, but don't you have to say your... How about uh, if you draw the little ducks line? Did that. You did? Oh, I'm sorry. And I read the direction. You know, you guys are geniuses. He does more drawings in a day. That's just it. It's too many drawings. That's the whole problem here. Your guys, especially, every little thing in the frame is jumping around. The hell do you know about it? I know I'm the jerk. You play jokes on me as well. You play jokes on me, swell. Everything's a joke. 
bunch of kids. Somebody's got to be the grown-ups. Oh, bullshit. You know, they're having a strike at RKO over crap just like this. Yeah, and the Reds at RKO are getting their ass kicked by the sheriff's deputies, and that's fine with RKO. He shakes Slim off, gets out the door. Slim turns back toward 15, with Pete joining him. Where's Chris? He left. Slim, maybe... Maybe you could talk to Mr. Warner directly. Mr. Warner thinks we make Mickey Mouse here. Which is also true. No, but really... Catches Slim's look. Really? God damn it! Pete hurries to catch up with Slim. Interior, room 15. You know, I... I know what? I'm supposed to picture him as Chuck, yeah. but for some reason, I, ju I just started picturing Pete as Scott Adsit. <laughs> From 30 Rock. <laughs> well, you know, if a scene is missing something funny, Pete adds it. Good night, everybody. That's not my joke. That's his joke. Don't fucking, don't fuck with me. <laughs> uh, write your letters to Scott Adsit. <laughs> It is a good joke. It's just not a great joke. Um, Pete hurries to catch up with Slim. Interior, room 15. As he goes into 15 and lashes an angry hand across his drawing table, it crashes to the floor, his work flying off. Slim looks around, red-faced, and leaves the room, almost knocking into Landy, who's seen the outburst from the doorway. Guys right Slim's table, and Pete's about to go after him, but Sheila comes in with a new sheaf of organized flyers. Union meeting on Wednesday, boys. Maybe you should stop in this time. The guys start stashing the flyers away again. Look, don't you guys get it? Sheila, if we show up at one of those things, we could get... I showed up at one. The other guys turn and look at him. Surprise. <laughs> they were talking about this thing. Cause for... Looks to Sheila. Do cause for termination. Yeah, yeah. If we had a contract, they want to fire someone like Chris. They just need a reason for it. Not just because he's the guy that works in the corner and they, have, they don't notice him. They have to... Yeah, but look. Landy steps in to pull Pete away. Excuse me, comrades. Come on. They head out into interior corridor. The hell was all that was slim? They can Chris Coleman. Well, yeah, they can't a few people. Doesn't call for a grand opera. You know, Sim's never been wrapped all that tight, but he's really getting goofy lately. He's not goofy. He's talented. And they're... Hey, a lot of guys are talented. They don't do that. He flies off the handle. It's a lot of strain on him. These cutbacks and all. He takes it... They've arrived at room 11. They stand out in the hall. Yeah, well, if you play jokes half the day... And then you go through the agony over one gag the other half. It's a little hard to get the work out. We're not going to do it that way. We're not, huh? No, we're going to do it like a business. Beans the cat, you draw three ovals and a tail, you got a few gags. Boom, we get it out and everybody goes away happy. Come on. He gestures toward the doorway. I'll be there in a minute. He starts toward room 15. Landy calls after him. Hey, you don't really buy all that union crap, do you? No, Jack. I just like the folk songs. As Pete escapes down the hall, dissolve to exterior, Ace Kane's bar, late afternoon. A few days later, happy hour at a cheerful dive on Western. Interior, Ace Kane's. 
Terrace people are prominent in the crowd as Landy comes in. In place of his usual confidence, he looks shaken and pale. He goes over to Pete, who's with other animators at the bar. Hey, Pete, you got a minute? Sure, what's... Landy takes Pete to an out-of-the-way table. They sit. Don't tell anyone about this, okay? I just came from the doctor. I got one of these heart things, some valve thing in there. They always told me, just live with it, you know? So, but now he says, I can't. Music is perfect, by the way. <laughs> you can't... Live. He says to me, a year, maybe two years. That's with no screwing, no roller coasters, no bad news. Boy, try sticking to that one these days. Jesus, Jack. I mean it, though. Don't tell anybody. Look, I have to ask you something. And feel free to say no. Would it be okay if you did the layouts on our stuff and I did the directing? Uh, sure, Jack. I know you were looking forward to it, trying directing again. No, it's... I, I've got time. I mean... It's okay. See, I wouldn't ask, but, you know, I take care of my mom, and right now you and I are each getting 65 a week. This way, I get 75. Just tell... Sure, sure. Thanks. Boy, you go along and you think your biggest problem is to get ahead in the world. Jack... Anything you want's okay with me, but working in there, are you sure that's how you want to spend the... Well, making kids laugh? That's not such a bad way, is it? He fights back a tear. Pete gives his arm a squeeze, and we dissolve to... I just want to pause real quick there and make a prediction. I think he's full of shit. Yeah. He's trying to steal the directing credit. Yeah. Because I'm really getting... Chuck's vibe that he's like put upon. It is very, very much the way a cartoon writer sets up a villain. Yeah. You know? Also, I don't recall this story. This is a little bit aligning of, with anybody. This is a little bit of Clampett's actual story. Like the, the cartoon they're talking about um, was actually done at the iWork studio, one of two. And the whole beginning of the Clampett uh, feud between Clampett and Jones allegedly started over this because Chuck thought he was going to be directing and he wasn't. Mm. Room 11. Interior, room 11. Day. With the room lights down, Pete, Landy, and a couple of assistants are running a nearly finished cartoon using a blank wall of room 11 as a screen. The fire alarm makes Ghost Wanted look hilarious. Wah, wah. Um, Pete winces as Bean's nephews, Ham and X, dance and squeak, Ham and X. Yep. Dance and, and squeak mechanically, and in the cartoon's boffo finish, Beans, a born second stringer, yanks the kids' tails up to spank them. As room lights come up, Landy notices Pete's pained look. Why? What is it? We ought to add in some drawings on the little guys. They look like wind-up toys. Come on. We're behind as it is. That strike happens. It's going to get worse. A strike is happening. Locals took a vote last night. Damn it. We don't have time. He pulls the reel off the projector, starts toward the door. I'm going to tell him to lock this one. Maybe we can get it out of here before this thing starts. Mm, couldn't we at least... No, we couldn't at least... 
It's just something to run so people can take a leak before the gangsters come on, okay? Jeez. He walks out. Boy, what's with him? Toon killed his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his fault. He's a fictional character <laughs> in a biopic. <clears throat> it's not his fault. I mean, it's... Don't worry about it. The animator doesn't get it, but goes back to his desk because he doesn't even have a name. Who gives a shit? Pete sits down, brooding, absently drawing, then sees he's done a sketch of Dot Chenault. He crumples it, tosses it aside. Because that, that happens a lot. You, yeah, go, you just draw something, you're like, oh, that's a person I know. Without even thinking. Oh, what have I done? What an amateur to look at the paper while you're drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to exterior Warner Brothers studio. The strike day. Intersections around the studio were blocked by buses, barricades, and lines of cops with batons ready. Excuse me. A column of marchers pass the, passes the studio gates, carrying American flags and picket signs reading, Unfair! and Contract Now! Tension fills the noisy air, and angry faces. But as the line moves, camera spots the strike's comic relief, the termite terrorist contingent. Led by mm -hmm. Sheila and Pete, the animators carry signs with pictures of their characters looking underfed, wearing barrels, or holding out empty pockets. Each sign has a pair of holes in it and a real prison-type cuff around the character's leg. A chain connects the cuffs. Ooh, we're getting... And a similar prop chain links the ankles of the animators. On the signs, the funny animals say... Can't feed my ducklings. $8 a week, that's loony. <laughs> and a half-drawn porky pig asks, where's the uh, uh, rest of me? <laughs> With the words, animators on strike over the missing area. A car tries to turn in at the studio gate. Picketers surge angrily around it, shouting, don't cross. But cops move in to get the car through. A sheriff's deputy pulls a striker off the car. The striker shouts at him. They trade shoves, and the cop shoots him in the face. <laughs> this is L.A. Yeah. Uh, he does not shoot him in the face. And that does it. The line of cops breaks toward the strikers. A hectic series of shots. Cops lighting into strikers with batons. A deputy pushing a newsreel photographer back from the action. Clark throwing his hands up to fend off a baton. Picket signs splintering. An American flag fluttering to the ground. Attica! <laughs> the cops turn on fire hoses, knocking picketers down. As Pete kicks free of his prop cuffs, he spots Dot nearby, caught in a knot of panicking strikers as cops bear down. Furious batons move in on her, and Pete breaks over that way, ducking a deputy's baton by an... In Hold on. Hmm. Yeah, better music. Ducking. I didn't think we were going to need the action row. Yeah, in this movie, yeah. Uh, Dot nearby caught. Um, Pete breaks over that way, ducking a deputy, deputy's baton by an inch, pushing through the crowd. He yanks Dot free, but takes a smack on the head from a baton as we intercut. Cartoon image. A beat of Looney Tune violence. 
Elmer Fudd clobbers a bear with a shotgun. We flicker back to the live-action riot, then to more cartoon violence. An <laughs> anvil flattening Daffy Duck. The script is turning into natural-born killers. <laughs> with the imagery. And back to live-action. In an angle behind a, mark, a parked bus with Ayatsi insignia, Pete, Dot, and a few other strikers have ducked to safety back here. A union medic hurrying to bandage the fast-bleeding gash on Pete's head, is watched anxiously by the other strikers and Doc, <sighs> who cradles one of her arms in the other. It'll be okay. Hold still for me, pal. You could have gotten killed. You're a fine one to talk, sis. That arm's busted good. Dot looks at him, surprised. Her attention was on Pete. In the background, the melee is breaking up as we dissolve to... Exterior. Dot's building. Afternoon. <laughs> Her downtown L.A. residence hotel. Interior. Dot's apartment. A victory of taste over budget, especially in the cheerful fabrics of the drapes and furniture. The only messy elements in the scene are Pete, sprawled on the couch with his field-dressed head, and Dot, her arm set, flopped in an adjacent chair. Aspirin bottles, more bandages etc. are prominent. This place isn't half as bad as you made out. He tries to look around a little more, but it hurts his neck. What? He slips back into place as Dot's prowling cat gives him the suspicious eye. <clears throat> Thanks. It's the fabrics. When I make a costume, I get to keep the leftovers. That love seat? Ginger Rogers wore that in Bachelor Mother. No kidding. The curtains are Rita Hayworth in tries to point. Ow. How's your head? It's okay. I'll be out of here before you know it. I didn't mean to rush you. It's no trouble. It Cut it out, will you? Cut what out? Being so damn polite. It's no trouble. You wish I was out of here already. You don't know what I wish. Well, whatever it is, I can count on... Well, whatever it is, I can count on you not to say it, can't I? She leans toward him, painfully. You mind my asking what this is about? When that stuff came out in the newspaper. On June 16th? Yeah, June 16th. You acted like you didn't care at all about what happened. You only cared about it if people saw you. I cared. I wished you would drop dead. Maybe I still do. Yeah, that's better. He carefully raises himself so they're facing each other. If I'd have thought we were, you know, I tried to kiss you that time. I know it wasn't the third time out yet, but... That wasn't it. Yeah? What was? All that stuff you were saying about wanting to make those cartoons and... What's wrong with cartoons? Nothing, but wanting things so much, it's a good way to get your head handed to you. Especially out here. I don't know. It scared me. You didn't say that either. People don't say everything. Yeah, you don't say everything. You don't try, and you you don't try and do everything. And then one day, you get a hit on the head, and maybe it's one time they can't bandage up. Maybe you're all through, and you never even came out and... Stops for breath. I'm sorry. I... No. But it's okay to want things. Shh. I know. This dialogue stinks. Yep. Good Lord. If Chuck ever spoke like this, it's a good thing he's dead. That's all I'm going to say. He's not dead enough. Shh. I know. And gingerly, they move just close enough to kiss. 
I mean, they don't kiss, no. but they move close enough to do <laughs> they it. They just hover, like, you know, within inches of each other. Exterior. Termite Terrace. Smelling Day. Breath. Mm. Best tea yet, by the way, Sean. Close on an on-strike sign taped over the front doors to the building and hands tearing it down. Wider angle reveals the hands belong to the terrace crowd, returning in triumph, carrying Sheila on their shoulders. Interior, room 11. Pete Landy and the accountant and the assistants return to the hastily vacated room. Windows are thrown open, dust blown off, desks. Dust blown off desks. Science experiments found growing in abandoned cups of coffee. Okay, let's get back to work. Yeah, you bet. Hey, when's overtime start? Angle on Pete. At his table. He finds the crumpled sketch of Dot. He smooths it out. Picks up a pen to ink it. And we dissolve to... Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Here, watch your language, you bud. We're on the air. No, I said, why the heck isn't there a Looney Tunes critic? I mean, nobody's devoted strictly to Looney Tunes Mary Melodies, and whenever people do review that stuff, half the time they get it wrong. And they're all millennials, too, so everything before 1985 is racist. Ugh. Well, I'm the guy you want anyway. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. And every few months, I do a full-length review and or interviews with people who worked on Looney Tunes projects. Catch my videos on YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse 2, or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes Critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny, to bring this commercial home. You've been listening to Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes Critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. So, man, that was some real hacky dialogue going on. And let's let's not miss Chuck Jones painting himself as Pete as some sort of action hero. <laughs> yeah. I'll go save the girl from those yeah. dangerous brutish cop thugs. <laughs> yeah, Chuck. Chuck said it himself in his book. He was a he's a coward. That's why he identifies with Daffy Duck. That line about you know I'm a coward, but I'm a live coward. That's that's right out of Chuck's duck. Yeah, I. I mean, he's one of my all time idols. You know yeah. this. Oh yes, I know that. Um, Mine too. But, God, just knowing his role in, like, telling this story. Yeah. um, I mean, a lot of it may be the screenwriter. But I really feel like Chuck was painting himself as this character for the screenwriter to do It may not be a direct thing, but, you know, the, the, the screenwriter, as we know, worked a lot with Dante. Well, didn't work a lot, but he worked more than once with Dante. Joe Dante and Joe Dante was very good friends with Chuck at the time. So it is, uh, there is a, a line from Chuck to the the script. Yeah. And it just, it makes me dislike him. That's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Yeah. But let's get back to it. We just went back to Pete's apartment. 
fade in. Uh, interior Pete's apartment, <clears throat> afternoon. Close on the drawing, farther along, with Pete's hand now adding colored pencil. The handwritten words near the portrait indicate that he's writing another letter home. Her name's Dot Chenault. Interior, Pete's apartment, afternoon. New angle reveals he's writing the letter at a drafting table in a new, less hovel-like apartment. Unionization is good, everybody. <laughs> it is. I'm in a union, and it's great. Yeah. We see furnishings showing Dot's touch. Framed cells signed by Pete's colleagues. She's from Landover, Missouri, not too far from Joplin. Exterior, streets, slash Pete's car, dusk. Pete drives his 35 Ford up Beechwood Canyon with Dot his passenger. The letter VO continues. We're going, over, we're going over to my boss's house for dinner this evening. It's been a little rough at work lately. It'll be good to see him at home. Exterior, Slim's house, dusk. They stop at a modest but pretty house halfway up the canyon. Interior, parlor. Pete, Dot, and Slim are listening to a newscast on the cathedral-type radio. Slim glowers, absorbed in the news. The Nazi Blitzkrieg continues its bloody siege of Poland. Makes you want to go out and make some zany cartoons, doesn't it? Well, maybe that's what people need then. When Indicates radio. Jesus, they need a safe place to hide. Nobody to come around and kill them. I think I'll go and see if I can help. <laughs> Interior, kitchen. Dot chops onions as Slim's wife, Madeline, tears lettuce. Sody clamp it. Madeline's in her late 40s, a little faded, and has been drinking today. Dot admires the view from the window. This is such a nice house. Could you do Madeline Duvall? Sure. Ooh, it sure is. It's only funny to us, but who gives a shit? <laughs> Ooh, sure it is. I have my family come out from back east and think they're going to see some wonderful Hollywood house. And then they see this. No. Slim is one of those guys. He doesn't know where the money is. And he wouldn't know how to get it if he did. Interior. Dining room. The two couples eating. Dot's been doing the costumes on this musical with Ray Bolger. I went over there. Career girl, that's fine. That was never a choice for me, indicates Slim. I've got a full-time job keep trying to keep the wheels on this one. Oh, I'm not as bad as all that. Have you seen your suspenders and your dumb ball cut? <laughs> Are we talking about Bob? Yeah, Slim is Bob Clampett. In seventies, he had he was Shh. dressed like that. This is That's what he looked like his whole life. <laughs> yeah, no. he was born with suspenders and a ball. He always looked like Roy Orbison. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> sure you're not. It's like taking care of a kid. You don't know if he's listening to you or he's off someplace in Goo Goo Land. <laughs> I thought that was charming at one time. Jeez, Madeline. You make all these all this nice food, now you're going to give these two acid indigestion. Well, I could get their opinion because I never get to talk to anyone. We never... That's not... He does whatever he wants at work and then he comes home and stares in the fireplace all night like somebody just died and you don't get the wor three words out of him. Now and then he runs and scribbles something down and sticks it in his pocket like a squirrel. That's the big highlight. You know, call me a dreamer, but I thought maybe we could just give these two a square meal and kind of skip the... Oh, the poor man. He suffers. So you know what this is? Mm -hmm. 
you remember on The Office when Jim and Pam went to dinner with Michael and Jan? I don't think I've seen that one yet. What season was that? Five, five or something. Uh, yeah, yet. I'm only familiar it's with the first three. It's the most awkward dinner scene. Yeah. And this is up there. Mm. <clears throat> oh, the poor man. He suffers so. No, I, I just. He's tortured because he's an artist, see? Or because he's not an artist. I forget which one. I know which one. Lucky you. Well, people don't live like this. That's the, you know. Pete says what they do is some of the hardest work. He Pete says, I wouldn't know, but Pete says, you two are in the days of the hot pants. I can see that. The fuck does that mean? For the record, Sodi Clampett was the polar opposite of this woman. I mean, it might be the voice I'm doing. Yeah, no, she's trashing what they do. That's true, yeah. Sodi loved animation. Sorry. Um, ma'am. Jesus, Madeline. Sorry, let me do that again. Say, say your line. Okay. You two are in the days of the hot pants. I can see that. Ma'am. Jesus, Madeline. Oh, balls. <laughs> That's not actually what it says. <laughs> I don't Did people say, oh, balls in the late 30s? <laughs> oh, balls. <laughs> it really says that. Oh, that's uh, the best. You know what? <laughs> that's that should be this movie slogan. Termite Terrace. Oh balls. <laughs> I'm gonna make a t-shirt that says oh balls. <laughs> Some like stodgy 1930s woman all done up in her little dress going, oh balls. <laughs> that's gonna be the the t-shirt for this episode. Yep. Uh beat of silence before we cut to. Exterior street, interior, Pete's car, night. Pete and Dot drive higher up the canyon. Well, that was nice. Wanna go see your boss now? God. The street ends at a fire road with a view of the valley. Pete parks. They sit a moment in silence before... Dot? Would you like to get married? A beat, and then Dot starts to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's just a thought. I'm sorry. You do have a gift for timing, though. Like unlike, asking, unlike Frizz. Sorry. It's like asking someone to go sailing the day after the Titanic. I know. That wasn't much of an advertisement. They must have thought they'd be happy. Maybe. Maybe they just felt that... Maybe they just felt bad enough without being alone on top of it. Yeah. But that's not enough. Mm, I know. He reaches for the ignition, but Dot interrupts him. Anyway, yes, off Pete's take, cut to interior, Mort's office. Pete is having an audience with Mort and Lou, who divide their attention between him and the paperwork on the desk. We'll be getting married in a couple of months, and we'll be looking for a... I'm going to do something I used to do on old radio. Just worried about to do that, so, so can you give me that intro again? Pete is having an audience with Mort and Lou, who divide their attention between him and the paperwork on the desk. We'll be getting married in a couple of months, and we'll be looking for a house and so on. See, I walked to the camp. Man, it's cool. So if it would be possible to have an increase, it would. That's pretty expensive unit already. The beans, the cat. To Lou. Initial here. Well, it's just me and Jack, and 
We're paying Landy 125 a week. What? He thought it... I'm sorry, I'm doing beer lines. He said it was fine with you. Said you talked it all over. Oath copied. Oh, Tulu. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why they put a separate... I don't either, yeah. Interior corridor. As Pete comes out of Mort's office, steamed, he runs into Ned, Jerry, and Animator One, who's made his fifth appearance in the script with, with no, no name. name. Yeah, sorry, Rod Scrivener. Uh, Ned, Jerry, and Animator One, who joins him walking. Although you know what, if it's one of Chuck's animators, it might be Benny Washington. Anyway. <laughs> hey, stranger. Indicates room eleven. How's it going in there? Oh, not bad. See, he's in heaven. Must be Landl must be Landy's fatal liver disease acting up again. Liver? <laughs> I thought it was a tragic kidney condition. It was one of the variety meats, we know that. <laughs> That's a good line. I lent him I lent him money for six months on that liver thing. I'm so stupid. As Pete considers how stupid he is, cut two. Interior, Dot's apartment, night, where Pete paces angrily as Dot listens. I ought to just go pop this guy in the nose. Okay, but when he gets up, he's still the director and you're still the layup guy. Layout. And who wants to direct Beans, the goddamn cat? A roar of protest <laughs> from Dot's cat. She comforts him. I'm just saying, it's not him. If you want to change things for yourself... Yeah, I, I, I know. He goes to the window, looks out onto the cold downtown street. This music's perfect. <laughs> Boy, look at me. People are out of work and scrounging out there. I've got a job and I'm sitting worrying about my problems. You're right. Let's go out and have a good time. I'll get my coat. Yeah, yeah, very funny. He gets a sketch pad from his portfolio, opens it. You know what this guy's problem is? What guy? He shows her his pad. Drawings of the pre-Bugs Bunny. He's crazy. He's going around. Woo, woo, woo. All the time. Like a fool. You've already got this. You've already got Daffy for that. So what's this guy? The road company? Um, He's doing a fast pencil drawing, muttering as he works. Make him smart. Nobody's fool. You try to take advantage, he sees you coming a mile away. He rips the drawing out of the pad and shoves it at Dot. It's a big step closer to the bugs we know. Taller and slimmer, but especially cagier, with the famous slyness taking shape in his eyes. So now he's taking the history away from Virgil Ross. You're... Thank you, Chuck. Pete, already at work on another drawing as Dot studies the first, issues a warning. Just try this guy. Just try him. Cut to... Interior, Mort's office, day, where Pete says the same thing with a different meaning. Just try him, sir. Whenever you're ready, Sean. Oh, I thought there was another try for some reason. No. Read it again, I'm sorry. Just try him, sir. As Pete and Slim show him Pete's drawing of the new bunny. I said no. Mort, why not? We want a new character, right? This isn't new. He's washed up already. The, But sir, this is a goddamn rabbit isn't funny. Disney's had a rabbit, remember? Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Almost put him out of business. But you know what? It didn't. You call that lucky? 
Um, I call that really revisionist history on Oswald <laughs> the Lucky Rabbit. At the time, it wasn't looking good for him, though. But it was a legal issue. It wasn't... Yeah. It's it's all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't you boys have some work to do? He points to the door. They gather the drawings and go. Dude, here's one line I want out of the script. <laughs> I don't want any cartoons about bullfights. Bullfights There's nothing funny, funny about bullfights. But of course, that's two more studios to go. That's also Eddie Seltzer. Yeah. Leon was dead by then. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if he was dead, but he was definitely retired. Pretty sure he retired because he died. Or maybe I'm just thinking of Brian Epstein. <laughs> well, Leon, I don't think you can carry on anymore. You may want to retire. Why? Well, you've been dead for two years. I'm telling you what I can do. Uh, interior, corridor with Pete and Slim, continuous. Heading for room 15. How do you stand working for these guys? I don't. I work for some guy that misses lunch so he can buy a ticket. Feel like taking a chance? On what? On your rabbit. My guys are supposed to be doing another Porky picture, and that can wait. Ink and Peyton, everybody, they, they do what we send them. And those guys... Indicates Mort's office. They have no idea what we're doing. Oh, well, yeah. Unless Landy tells them. There is that. You're in there with them all day. When are you going to do this? Well... What would the rabbit do? Of course you know. This, this means, means war. war. Interior, room 11, late afternoon. Everyone in the beans room has knocked off for the day. Just a room full of beans. <laughs> <Yeah>. The beans <laughs> that's, room. That's all they get to eat. <laughs> that's how cheap they are. Everyone in the beans room has knocked off for the day except Landy and Pete. And now Landy packs up his portfolio. <laughs> Did you say that all hoity-toity on purpose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess I'll take off. Nods. All right. I'll just finish up some stuff. He goes over to Landy. Speaks with fine, fake solicitude. How you feeling, Jack? No, no. It's like, how are you feeling, Jack? Like, very, very RK Maroon. Take comfort, son. Yeah. That's, that's what he's doing. Fake solicitude. How you feeling, Jackie boy? I'm, I'm all right. Got a lot of guts, Jack. You know that, don't you? Landy gives a manful, modest shrug and leaves. Unaware of the evil eye, Pete aims at his back. Pete gathers his stuff, looks in the hall to make sure Landy is gone, and takes off for interior, room 15. Room 15. Where a big corkboard on wheels, covered with porky pig gag drawings, obscures a section of the built-in corkboard on the wall. Porky pig gag drawings, that's where he's trying to lose weight. <laughs> Pete slides the porky board aside to reveal sequences of bugs and Elmer Fudd pinned up. Pete really? finishes a few more drawings. Before from his... he was created. Elmer Fudd, really? Well, they're they're doing a wild hair at this point. Oh, that's right. I guess we're past that. Yeah, Egghead was gone. Yeah, yeah they just haven't mentioned him yet. Okay. This isn't still 38. Like, the yeah, war's yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, this is years later. That's true. To reveal sequences of bugs and Elmer Fudd pinned up. Pete finishes a few more drawings from his... Fishes a few more drawings from his pockets. Pins Wait, them up. Wait, no, they haven't done fucking uh, wild hair yet. They're still trying to figure... No, that's what he's oh. boarding right now, is a wild hair. Okay, so that's why they're calling him Elmer yeah. Fudd. Okay. And, you know, that's... I guess he is technically Elmer by now. Yeah. To reveal right. sequences of bugs and Elmer Fudd. Like, he's already, like, by a wild hair, he's already lost that 
yeah. Arthur Q. Brian look. He, like he gets no, a no, neck. No, he hasn't. No, that's a misnomer. A wild hair, he started thin, clamp it made him fat, and then they said, no, let's make him thin again. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Um. By the way, Pez Hoffman made Porky fat again. <laughs> Good for you, Pez. Uh, Reveal sequences of Bugs and Elmer Fudd pinned up. Pete fishes a few more drawings from his pockets, pins them up, studies the board for a beat, goes to his table, and starts his second shift of work as the sun sets outside. And we say goodbye. Exterior, Termite Terrace. In time-lapse, dusk gives way to night, then dawn. Interior, Termite Terrace Men's Room, which finds Pete in the gents, doing three things at once. It's very English. Shaving, <laughs> going over extremes with Clark, and changing into fresh clothes using his portfolio as a suitcase. He's punchy from no sleep, getting by on adrenaline. So these frames, anticipation, he sort of rears back. Pete's gesturing with his straight razor. Clark edges clear as he flips to the next drawing. And then boom, he moves. On boom, Clark has to duck the razor outright. Sorry. That's okay. I think I've got it. Have you heard about sleep? Soon. Animator 2 ducks his head in. Pete! Slim's ready with that piece in projection. Okay. Clark confiscates the razor as Pete, still putting himself together, leaves the room. Interior, projection room. Slim, Pete, and voice actor Phil watch some almost finished footage of the new bugs. Taller, cooler, sneakier. Pete ties his this tie. Isn't, this isn't a wild hair. This is Elmer's candid camera. Pete ties his tie while on screen, Bugs meets a camera-toting Elmer. See, the voice we've got here. What are you doing? Oh, uh, what are you doing? Taking pictures? Nice hobby. Mind if I watch? The voice is not the Bugs we know today. Rather, it's slow and ingenuous. The last vestige of his farm boy roots. It doesn't go with the rest of him. He acts sharp, but he sounds like the sounds like the guy. He comes to town and somebody sells him the Brooklyn Bridge. Phil nods and tries a voice. An Edward Everett Horton type. I don't know what Edward Everett Horton I'm gonna, sounds like. I think it should sound like, excuse me there. Are you taking pictures? Nice hobby. I wonder. Okay. Oh, okay. Excuse me there. Are you taking pictures? Nice hobby. I wonder. Slim shakes his head. Phil tries again, a la George Raft. Again, I don't know what George Raft sounds like. Um, just do George Hamilton. <laughs> I'll do James Mason. Excuse me, are you taking pictures? That's nice. Slim and Pete shake their heads together. It's like, he's not the guy you sell the bridge to. He's the guy that sells you the bridge. A hustler. A Brooklyn thing. Um, I mean, I've never been there, but... Phil tries a new voice. It's the ultimate tout. The self-assured slick with nothing up his sleeve but ten watches. In short, Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Excuse me there, pal. Taking pictures? Gee, nice hobby. Pete and Slim look at each other. It's Mr. Watson come here time. As Phil asks in his own small voice. Is that butter? Cut to interior, room 11. See... That is very cinematic, and that could—that's the kind of thing that I wouldn't mind if this had been a real movie. It's totally inaccurate, but it's the kind of thing where 
they do a good job of, of matching what you can imagine the feeling was yeah. when you first heard Mel do bugs. Yeah. That's the first time I felt like actually complimenting and not just giving this fucking script a pass. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, that's the first good thing about this script that this thing is done right, in my opinion. Well, this script doesn't feel like it was written by someone who took all the keys and <laughs> ripped them out of the typewriter and shoved them up his ass and sat on some paper. Which is our usual, you know, yeah. modus operandi, but which is a very smart way of sounding, of saying the wrong thing that I was trying to say. So <laughs> what do you think they're doing here? Are they skipping a wild hair? Uh, no, because if you remember a wild hair, Bugs didn't even sound like Bugs. He sounded more like Bugs. I mean, he was basically Bugs. Yeah. There was a little, but the only voice, a little bit of finagling. But the voice was still a little bit in the back of the throat. Yeah, that, you know. But that, that's that's it. He sounded like Bugs so with a cold. Yeah, and they're going back like twice. Like they're going back like two or three cartoons just to get. And also, you know, Chuck made. Wait, wait. When did Elmer's Candid Camera come out? Before a wild hair. Oh, it was before. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In fact, Chuck talks in his book about how, you know, we all tried to do a rabbit picture and uh, we all failed, especially me. If you don't believe me, if you want to die of ennui, watch Elmer's Candid Camera. Hmm. He's and, right. It's boring. <laughs> okay. So he's not stealing no. Texas well, thunder here. Not yet. Not yet, at least. No. <laughs> Ooh, we'll get to find out who Tex is if. Yeah. If one of the other characters picks this up and runs with it, maybe it's Landy. Yeah, maybe. Interior, room 11. Landy runs a gag session for a Beans cartoon, Westward Woe, with Pete and assistants trying to supply ideas. Pete, after several sleepless nights, is also trying to stay awake. Seeing spots, swilling coffee, and the inspiration level of the Beans material isn't helping. Come on, guys, help me out. Beans has to do something to the Indian. Pete, come on. Pete blinks, mumbles the first thing off the top of his head. Uh, he um, hits him in the ass with the bear trap. Which hits the spot with Landy. Yes, see, simple, funny. In the ass is always good. Great finish. Okay, lunch. Oh, you want that on your t-shirt? In the ass is always good. <laughs> As Pete wobbles toward the door, Jerry comes in. Pete. You want to get a sandwich? Sure. Say, uh, you don't look so hot. Are you getting any sleep these days? Pete's alarmed. Why is Jerry saying that in front of Landy? But Jerry puts an arm over Pete's shoulder, talks man to man. Listen, I know you just got married to this girl and so on, but I think you better slow it down a little. Interior corridor, continuous. Jerry continues, with Landy still close by. I mean, how am I going? How am I giving Who? advice? Oh, sorry. I mean, who am I giving advice to a guy that, you know, movie stars? But marriage is different. You want to leave a little something for the latter years, the later years. It's not going to go anywhere, you know? Pete is relieved that his cover isn't blown, but uncomfortable anyway with Jerry's zesty trend. What does that mean? I don't know. Zesty trend? Thanks, Jerry. Of course, there are women that'll wear a guy down to nothing. <laughs> You're... You're running through all the baseball players in your head, you know? Try it. Thanks, Jerry. Really? <laughs> no, no trouble. Now, some guys... He's interrupted by Ned, who waves them into room 15. Interior, can you guess? 15. Room 15. Mort and Lou are in there. Mort, with a letter in his hand, 
addresses a bunch of animators from around the terrace. Boys, I've got news. You know the World's Fair in New York? You're going there this summer. Consult's letter. The Van Brewster Floorwax Embassy of Fun. They've got a theater for us. We show cartoons. You guys draw pictures for people. Two weeks. Hey, that's great. I'm sorry, animator one. Hey, that's great. We never sounded like that before. <laughs> Half pay, but you get free floor wax. <laughs> I don't know why I like that line so much. <laughs> Half pay, but you get free floor wax. You know who we need? Your guy that draws so fast. Colson. I don't know. When you said the free floor wax line, you sounded like Master Shake. Half pay, but you get free floor wax. It's amazing. <laughs> You're not going to find a deal like this again. <laughs> oh, Nancy's here too? No, that was my I shake. I know, I know. It's, uh, neither no, one no. of us does an effective shake. What can we say? Uh, I don't do a good shake, but I do do an effective truffle shuffle. These are all your lines. Oh. Bad time to take a sip. Uh... Where was I? Oh. <coughs> Your guy that draws so fast. You know who we need? Your guy. Sorry. You know who we need? Your guy that draws fast. Colson? Coleman. Chris Coleman. Lou goes white. Right. He can draw pictures. He can draw pictures for the kids all day. Plus he's big. He can he can bounce drunk. Exiting. See you boys later. Uh Mort. I've got some stuff to go over with Slim. I'll catch up with you. Mort nods, goes off. Oh, my God. You didn't tell him? No, he just told me to cut some people. Look, where's the guy now? Don't look at me. It was your bright idea. He hands Lou the phone. I'd start with MGM. Exterior, rail yard, late afternoon. Ah. What happened? I messed up. I am we're the in the worst. rail yard and then a grimy fenced yard in downtown LA where big guys and dirty coveralls shovel slag into roaring furnaces. A favor one of them. Oh, favor one of them. Chris Coleman, working numbly in the heat. He sees a long limousine pull up outside the fence. We watch from across the street in MOS silhouette. Slim and a couple of guys. You know what that means? That means I don't feel like working out the dialogue for this scene. Uh, Slim and a couple of guys in suits get out of the limo and go into the yard. Slim talks with Chris. Chris tosses his shovel into the furnace, follows the others to the car, and gets in. He is almost certainly going to be billed for that shovel. Hold on the rail yard as the limo pulls out and dissolve two. Cartoon image, aerial shot of World's Fair. Whoa. Our frame is filled by animation as the cartoon camera flies in over a fairly realistic view of the streamlined futuristic buildings of the 1939-1940 New York World's Fair. So, okay, it has not been that many years. No. It just seems like it's been years because this fucking script is dragging. An announcer speaks in a super deep-voiced parody of newsreel narration. New York, New York! Stop it. <laughs> New York, New York. The opening of the sensational World's Fair. And our cameras are there. 
A few brownie box cameras go falling through frame as we continue flying in on the fair. To see the world of tomorrow. Title appears briefly, The World of Tomorrow, or next Thursday at the very latest. We now see crowds in the Plaza of Light, the huge rooftop cash register keeping track of attendance, and the Trilon and Perisphere, an enormous white spire and globe connected by a swooping ramp. Centerpiece of this remarkable exposition, the beautiful Trilon and Perisphere. Inside the Perisphere, camera follows a line of people inside the sphere to move in on Democracy, a miniature urban world. A complete miniature city. And say, this little city is having a world's fair too. And there's a really tiny city in here. As camera moves into the more miniaturized terrain, the announcer's voice starts sounding as if it's coming from some tiny distant enclosure. And gee, they're having a world's fair too. This is really, really tiny. <laughs> the voice is even tinier and panicked. In a dizzyingly fast reverse, camera pulls out of the mini perispheres until we're back outside the first one, with the crowd passing us. The announcer's voice is back to normal. There, that's better. Call that normal, do you? The cartoon cuts to General Motors' Futurama building. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. The fair's theme... The Brave New World of Tomorrow. Speaking of which, what happened to the music? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, we had music. Um, the fair's theme, The Brave New World of Tomorrow. A world of science, technology, and increased leisure time. In the major General Motors exhibit, inside the building, people watch futuristic cars travel a 14-lane highway through a Buck Rogers-ish miniature city. <laughs> the highway of the future. No motor mishaps here because these cars are radio controlled. We move in on the little cars, which all have antennae, communicating by lightning-like waves with a cathedral-style radio in the middle of the track. As the radio plays a Strauss waltz, the cars glide so serenely in time as a technician switches the programs to mambo music the cars do a syncopated dance, and as he and as he switches to coverage of a prize fight, he hits him with a left jab, a right hook, a combination. The cars go wild and smash into each other. And at Constitution Mall, the cartoon cuts to a crowd on Constitution Mall at evening, and the announcer's voice fades out as we match dissolve to any grand fade out. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that a thing about Annie Cranbran that I just said? No, I haven't. Oh, sorry, I have. I was really yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't read this anywhere, but it's a theory of mine that um, if you if you listen to old Mel Blanc radio appearances, he would do a trick, and he did it in one cartoon that I know of, Daffy Dilly, where. If he's, you know, being the exposition news reader, you know, for the scene, the part where they, you know, you, you couldn't fade him out in those days because they didn't have, you know, soundboards like that. So he would walk away from the mic and he came up with a term, sounds like Annie Cranbran. 
So he would just be like, so I am asking people to mark whenever they find it. There's cartoons here and there. There's like, you'll hear Mel do it. And then it'll, you'll feel, you'll hear him walk away from the mic going, Annie Cranbrand. Huh? That's the part I can always hear is Annie Cranbrand. <laughs> like a name. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. But stupid. Well, I have done no German characters in the script. No, so. that's true. <laughs> We should have some. We will have to have some more, Pete, yes. should, Pete should be German from now on. Yeah. Nine. Nine. So, um, we got... Tea. I think, I think one episode left on this, dude. Really? Maybe two, but we got 28 pages left. Oh, God, yeah. We are on page 100 in three episodes. It's unbelievable. We're, we're kind of slipping, because usually it takes us forever, because we just can't stop making fun of... Yeah, well, it's... It's a what, competently made script what would you that rate doesn't it? have a story to it. Give it a letter grade, the script. Uh, C minus. That's about what I would give it, yeah. Just just less, just shy of average. Yeah, like I, I don't want to watch this movie despite the, my familiarity and love for the subject matter. Hi, despite your high level of interest. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to watch it. I, I don't want to see this movie. Yeah. But I don't want to kill the screenwriter in a fire. You would watch it, though, if they made it. We watched Space Jam. We didn't want to watch it, but we had to. At least that's what yeah, I remember. I mean, if they made this, I think I would, I would say, why did you do that? <laughs> so is it, is it fair to say, then, that you actually agree with the studio's decision. Well, here's the thing. I'm not saying you... I think... I don't know that the studio read this. I think the studio said, nobody cares, nobody is interested, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. And I think Joe Dante would have said, oh, you read it. Yeah. Um. I feel like... He did say that the studio in that interview that you found for my videos, he he's he said that the studio was. They did say we're not interested at all in doing a story about yeah, yeah, our yeah. history. But but what I'm what I'm saying doesn't mean is, they read it. You're right. Yeah, what I'm saying is, the studio can say we don't want to do that. We have no interest in that. Right. And then your job is to turn in a script that changes their mind. Right. And this script does not change their mind. Yeah, this is like, see, we told you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's why didn't you hire someone that's done more than seven movies <laughs> that could maybe, you know, find a story out of this? I'm actually surprised they didn't, you know, Warner Brothers and, and it being a studio type thing. I'm surprised they didn't hire the guys that did Roger Rabbit. I mean, it's it's very Hollywood to do that. Well, we've never done anything like this except that one time. Let's get the other, the people yeah. that worked on it that one time. Well, I mean, that's not a story about behind the studio either. Like this, you're right, but it is it is live action and anim like a kind of a thing because they were you know they probably would have put the characters in at some point. There is animation in the script. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm not uh, happy with it though. We'll we'll see how it lands when yeah. we come back next week um guys please really if you want to know how much knowledge trevor has about animation go to tablereads.com 
TableReadsPodcast.com. Oh, you didn't shit. even get the name of the website for this podcast. I'm right. so sorry. Um, no, no. Podcast. If you want, if you want to know how much Trevor knows about animation, you will get a tiny idea of it by <laughs> looking up uh, Looney Tunes critic on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am in some of those videos. Yep. Sean is actually uh, in some of my uh, in the commentaries, um, and also um, if you're if you're the type of person who notices casually that hey. Most of these cartoons look better than any any other place that I can find them online. You owe Sean McBee a debt. I'm the video wrangler. That's right. Among right. other things. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you next week, or you'll hear us next week. Okay. Whatever. Just go away. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black. black.